Hello and welcome to the 40th episode of Inherited Will, a One Piece podcast, teaching you to avoid the dangers of gambling. I'm Bird in the Hand. And I'm Two in the Bush. Now, uh, terrible jokes aside, uh, in reality, uh, I'm Thomas, that's Jordan, and we are a weekly podcast discussing each week's manga chapter and a reread of past chapters. This week, we'll be jumping right on into chapter 1037, and then later, 456 through 466. Here we go. Checking in with some jerks. Uh, yeah. Two out of three are pretty bad. One is not the worst, but still hangs out with jerks, so that's not great. No. She has a lot to learn. Indeed. Uh, not much to say on this cover page. Um, it's literally just three Vince boats chilling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's titled, like, An Emotionless Excursion, and yep, that that shows. Quite so. Just staring off into the distance as uh, the ships escape. Great. Good for you, Germa. Um, that takes us into the chapter itself. 1037, Drunken Dragon Bagua. Starting off, checking in with the people of Wano for a page. Uh, the Flower Festival is cruising in full swing now. Everyone's having a good time, drinking and airing grievances with the small opportunity they have here. Yeah, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that Oda takes a second every now and then just to remind us like the people whose lives are on the line here and just how terrible their lives are uh it's really uh heart-wrenching to see that like oh they can write a wish on these balloons and they just like send them floating away and they can wish for anything but uh <laughs> they wish for very sad things like lots of water and being able to feed their children and seeing their mom. Depressing. Yeah. I feel bad for everybody involved. Um, but it seems like they're prepping for Sky Boats, which is like the end of the festival, according to this man. So, gotta hurry up, boys. Gotta send those boats around before the, uh, the entire Isle of Onigashima falls on top of you. Can't <laughs> wait for them to lift Onigashima away in the end. <laughs> No doubt. Uh, then we step in to where we spend the most of this chapter, uh, back on top of the skull with Luffy and Kaido. Kaido takes a big ol' swig of a non-disclosed alcohol, uh, and Luffy takes issue with this. This is no time to be a drunk man, he says. Uh, I mean, I would normally agree with him, but that's Kaido. Like... <laughs> Indeed. I guess Luffy might not know this about him, but it's a big part of who he is. Indeed. Up until, well, in fact, I think in pretty much every scene of him, aside from when he, like, fell from the sky, he's been drinking up until this fight began. So, uh, yeah, very in character for him. And he's doing it because he's having a good time, and he's recognizing Luffy as a real threat. This is no power downgrade, apparently. No, he he finds a way to use it, and it works. 
He even had a name for it, ready to go. This is a just a standard tool in Kaido's arsenal, I suppose. But uh, Luffy, distressed, uh, goes in for a big gear third punch. Uh, but Kaido dodges it using the drunken fist technique, essentially. Oh no, he's a tricky dicky dude. <laughs> I do like this little section right here because he goes from the dodge immediately into the counter when he also is changing into like his hybrid form during the turnaround like i can mm-hmm, i can mm-hmm. appreciate that level of coordination when he's at this level of drunk agreed he looks so beefy in that panel where he's charging up the lightning hammer oh yeah he is moves. huge even his hair and his nose too <laughs> i was alarmed by this initially but i think he's like you noted that like it's cool that he goes like straight like into his hybrid form mid-attack basically but i think he's like going one step further and he's like going from there straight into the dragon form uh yeah on the following page he's already in his dragon form. yeah good point and his nose is not that weird looking anywhere else (laughs) (laughs) we did get yeah just that one little snippet huh okay i'll i'll take it i like it Pretty cool when they actually use their Zoan powers effectively. I liked it a lot. But uh, yeah, he slams Luffy with a Radnaraku move. uh, Slams him pretty hard into the dirt, destroying part of the castle below him, distressing some goons below. I'm glad they have time to worry. There's so much (laughs) going on. Quite so. There's fire like everywhere. Samurai pretty much everywhere. Uh, Debris raining from the sky gotta worry about conquerors hockey blasts coming from like everybody <laughs> these days there's probably people <laughs> flying through the air yeah mm-hmm. too much it's a bad day to be a kaido goon mm-hmm. uh luffy's recoiling from this attack while uh kaido's feeling bad about himself oh man i'm gonna have to rebuild the castle i suck it took five years to make it in the first place <laughs> oh, i love the vulnerable side of kaido indeed i really like that oda is taking this opportunity to show a bit more of kaido's personality um but i do hope that like this whole drinking thing is perhaps addressed in a flashback or something because like when you're drunk right it like the main thing is that it like lowers your inhibitions so what we're seeing here is like kind of the real kaido beneath the surface yeah um and i would like to know the root of this like depression (laughs) that we're seeing here yeah we've seen him be depressed basically forever uh (laughs) and we've gotten snippets of his backstory so it makes sense that it would culminate on that so maybe in a chapter (laughs) or two we will get that maybe here's hope yeah uh unfortunately for luffy he goes in for a counterattack, but uh, oh no, Kaido's summoning Dragon Twister Demolition Gusts hits him pretty dead on, but I guess he blocked it. Uh, the man continues to cry, tears in his beer, the Odabot says. <laughs> <laughs> Kaido's having a rough time of it. Uh, charges up a Thunder Bagua, which Luffy, in a pretty sick series of panels, Hops over to dodge, lands on the club, 
and then channels his inner Sanji and delivers a big ol' stretchy kick directly to Kaido's face. Yeah, this is the sequence of the chapter for me, for sure. Yeah, the dope. The prepped attack into a backflip to land on the weapon. Mm. So good. Lucky for Kaido, his neck is very sturdy, so it does not break after being hit by this very dangerous-looking move. Uh, but he goes ahead and coils Luffy's leg in his tail. Another neat use of his Joan ability. It's not just a generic power boost. I like it a lot. Falls it up with a Conqueror's Hockey Headbutt Clash. Also pretty sick-looking. Uh, Luffy loses that confrontation, though, commenting that his hockey is getting stronger. That's an oh dear. Uh, yeah, I mean, he definitely looks rough in that clash. Like, <laughs> Kaido may be crying, but he was doing that beforehand anyway. That's true. Um, but, yeah, it's it's scary for our boy right now. I wonder if this hockey getting stronger thing is just like, oh, Kaido's starting to put his foot on the gas a little bit more. And it's just, he's just slowly buffing himself as the fight goes on. Or if it could be that like, similar to how Luffy grows his hockey in combat, if Kaido is also literally getting more powerful as this fight goes on. Which would not be good for Luffy if that is what is happening here. No, but it certainly would lend itself to the bet on Kaido in the one-on-one, Indeed. you know? He's a beefy, beefy man who has not been challenged in a long, long time. Uh, but, oh no, he's also got laser blasts. Shoots one out. Uh, Luffy dodges it, though. Preps a, uh upgraded version of his elephant gatling, the... Gum Gum Rock Gatling. Kaido counters it, though, with the Kundali Dragon Swarm. Big ol' uh, club swings. Uh, they both take some hits. Goes on for a good long while, but uh, Luffy eventually, I guess, wins this confrontation with a big kick to his tummy. Poor guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really impressive that Kaido can move that fast. Like, he is swinging that thing with, well, not even, like, reckless abandon. Like, he is countering the punches, so he has to be aiming somewhat. But, uh, that's a big weapon to be moving that fast. Uh, yeah, for sure. Kaido's a large man, so you would think he would be, like, relatively slow, but we've seen him, uh, speed blitz Luffy a couple of times. Yeah. That's what before the Conqueror's hockey buff, of course, but even so. Yeah. But uh, I like the I like the finisher. I like that it seems to go from like you know a gear third foot to something more condensed when it actually hits Kaido. Um, I don't know if that is yeah. anything, but it like kind of makes sense if he's able to condense it that it would be more powerful. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. I just really like that he's actually using his transformations now. Yeah. Up until, like, last chapter, I think it was, when he used his first, like, gear third hit of this particular round of the fight. Uh, I was very worried that Luffy was going toe-to-toe with him in his base form. But now he's using gear third and gear second. Uh, still no gear fourth, so still not going 100% all out. But 
we'll get there i'm sure yeah yeah i would have been using gear second straight from the get-go but you know that's me <laughs> guess he felt he didn't need it and it even looks like he's using it like simultaneously on the last page or the previous page during the gatling move he's using the big punches but it also looks like he has steam there to make oh, it yeah. uh go faster yeah it makes sense. I mean, your second to make it go faster. The steam is just there because he's using your second. Yeah, but like all of his forms are still useful, and yeah, it's it's good to see him come out and build up. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a progression. That's why I don't know. That's why I like Luffy's fights for sure. Uh, then on these last two pages, uh, we get some curious, curious things. Uh, mysteriously, even though we are still in Act 3, uh, we touch in with the Gorosei for a hot second. The five elders, the toppest top of the world government, right? Mm-hmm. They are currently standing in a large room with very little furniture in it. It's not even enough chairs in there to, for all five of them to sit down for some reason. <laughs> they have two chairs and a love seat, and that's it. Hmm. Um, yeah, weird. But, uh... One of them was complaining about the reverie, right? But they were like, nah, don't worry about that just yet. We got bigger fish to fry in the here and now. Um, they're just kind of generally complaining. Oh, it's a mess over there, but I'm sure Robin's already in captivity and we can use this as an excuse to wipe out some dudes. Um, but then, back at Wano, where the royal government shifts are waiting for the fight to end, uh, a lookout sees a shadow uh a huge shadow up ahead he says but jokes on you idiot the elephant's behind you (laughs) um (laughs) uh although that is still strange because in the previous panel it looks like there's a shadow in front of them yeah but then when we get the elephant reveal it's behind them yeah so that's a little bit strange the way this is framed right we get the bit with oh the guy sees the shadow up ahead and then it cuts back to the five elders, where they say, where they're talking about a special devil fruit that has not awakened for centuries, that for some reason the government gave a specific name to. And then it cuts back to Zunisha uh, and says it's to erase that fruit's name from the annals of history. All that makes it seem as though Zunisha is somehow connected to that fruit they're talking about. Right? Yeah. Agreed. At least that is the way it appears to be. Could be a red herring, and I will talk about that as well. (laughs) So, uh, is the implication here, just from how it appears on the page, that Zunisha is a devil fruit user? Uh, well, that would kind of make sense. Uh, I mean, there's no reason Zunisha couldn't be a devil fruit user. The only kind of curious bits is that there is already an elephant fruit. Um, Funkfried is a sword who ate the elephant fruit. But this would have to be like, well, I say it has to be, but this could be a giant who ate a fruit. Or it could be a normal sized person who ate a like mythical giant elephant fruit. Uh, I did some research into this when i saw it earlier today and uh 
you know the story of like the world turtle right in hindu ideology Uh, in some versions of that story on top of the world turtle there are a bunch of smaller but still pretty big world elephants that carry and those together are what actually carry the weight of the world um so maybe it's one of them and that would also explain the connection with like oh the literal country of zoe is on its back right yeah okay um but it's also a little strange because Zunisha walks through a considerable amount of water but we do already know that it's like the ratio yeah. of how much of your body is covered in water that affects how weak you become right um and it's really like Zunisha's really tall but uh it's like certainly less than knee deep for him it seems or her i think as you i think Zunisha's a female i think that's been established i don't remember I also want to say that, but I couldn't swear on it. Literally could have made it up. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it would be enough for it to matter. And also, I guess, I, I don't know if you said it, but it could be an elephant that ate some sort of weird fruit. Indeed. It can also, like, turn into, like, a tornado or something. (laughs) (laughs) This elephant, this giant elephant, has a Lodia fruit as well. That would be bad news. Imagine if this thing had, like, Kizaru's power and could also shoot lasers. Oh, my God. At its size. And could move at the speed of light. Everything (laughs) would be dead already. (laughs) Indeed. Um... But this thing about it having a specific name to that devil fruit. Could this be the uh, long fabled but never actually address uh, ancient weapon Uranus? Could the devil fruit itself that Zunisha seems to have ate, the like world elephant fruit, I'm assuming, huh. be what the ancient weapon is? Yeah, I mean that that would uh, that would line up. I'd be into that. There doesn't seem to be any sort of rhyme or reason for the other two uh, ancient weapons. Like Poseidon is like the ability to control the sea kings. It's just the mermaid princess, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pluton is like a boat or a gun or something <laughs> akin to that. Something that can be built by human hands, supposedly. Um, so I see no reason that this couldn't be like a third weird non-related power. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, but it could also be, like I said before, it's like a bit of a red herring, because it is a little bit strange that it goes from the world government, the elders, talking about the just kind of Wano in general terms, and then three panels later, they're talking about, you know, something completely different, effectively. Um, yeah. So unless they're like receiving real-time events... Like updates on events from where they're sitting, which could be the case. It could just be two separate conversations happening simultaneously. I don't think that's the case, but technically possible. In which case, there's like so many other things that they could be talking about. Yeah, that opens up a whole can of worms. I was on Twitter for about five minutes this morning, and uh, wouldn't you know it, there are Oh, so many theories on which fruit it could be talking about. Oh, boy. 
Uh, yeah. I think the more popular ones were Luffy's fruit, of course, since we know that is special to them in some capacity. Yeah. But I don't think that's very likely because... The name is pretty straightforward on that one. Indeed. And like they're talking about how it hasn't been awakened for centuries and why would the government give it a special name? But they already know about the gum gum fruit. Yeah. So like it's a little strange that they're talking about it in these like uncertain terms if they already, you know, had intel on it ten years ago, whenever that was. Um some people also seem to think that they're talking about Tama's fruit. Uh and then that fruit is actually the Uranus fruit. And that the previous owner of uh Tama's fruit is what gave Zunisha the order to walk forever in the first place. Hmm. Um, which could be. I'm not sure how I feel about Tama being this important to the like main narrative of the story, but I can't directly refute it. <laughs> except for that except for that generally speaking, when a devil fruit user dies, their ability also ceases, right? Yeah. Um so it would be strange if Zunisha had to continue to walk even after the previous owner died. But that's not a hard and fast rule. Like with Moria, he says in the reread chapter about to get to in a couple minutes, uh, that even if he dies, the shadows won't go back to where they're supposed to be. So uh, technically could be the case. Um, let's see. I think those were the main ones. Someone also said something about law, but I think his fruit is already special enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like the guy, but yeah, give some other screen time away. Indeed. Um, point being, uh, this is a whole can of worms <laughs> the uh, five elders have chosen to open up very late in the game. But uh, I am downright fascinated about where it's going to go. There's so uh, many players here. Like indeed. I how hmm <laughs> this whole island is showing up and I mean these ships are basically done for, right? I mean if they pick a fight with Zunisha for sure. It's been shown to be fairly peaceable most of the time. With Jack it had to be commanded to defend itself, right? Um, but it does make you wonder, now that Zunisha is here, what is it going to do? Right. I mean, we we are getting, like, lore implications here, but how is it going to affect the here and now, right? <laughs> it can hardly, like, step onto Wano and, like, start messing stuff up, <laughs> I wouldn't think. No, but we have seen both Momo and Luffy, like, hear it right uh not recently but yes back when we were on zo that was true so i don't know I, don't, I have no idea how or if they would interact again but that is some connection uh for sure maybe zunisha like heard like luffy calling out with the voice of all things like 10 chapters ago whenever that was it was like, all right, gotta go help my boy. And started cruising. I mean, no, yeah, no. why not? It's all very curious. <laughs> I'll be kind of bummed out if like this is Momo's get out of jail free card with the falling island. Because like, 
I guess the ability to command Zunisha is an established power of Momo's, and that's all fine. But it kind of makes him transform me into a big beefy dragon. Irrelevant. If it's just going to be caught by yeah elephant. Why would you do the the aging up if you were going to do it this as matter. well? Right. <laughs> Curious indeed. Uh, but I'm sure Oda has big plans in store for our big elephant friend. Um, any other thoughts on this chapter before we move on to the reread? Nope. This was a weird one and a good one. <laughs> Indeed. I liked it a lot, but sure does open up a lot of questions. Uh, we are on yet another break next week. Uh, new chapter comes out January 29th. Okay, so here in Reread City, we're going from uh, the introduction of Ors to Perona and Zoro being no mores. I don't know if I like that one, but it's all I had. Please keep it in. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there's, I mean, there's a lot that happens in these like 10 chapters or whatever, but um, we have now seen the like Moria and Kaido fight that is alluded to in these chapters, right? Or, well, not mm-hmm. maybe seen the fight, but at least seen a clash of it. Um, and apparently, uh, Moria thinks that he could have won if he had just more zombies with him. Yeah. I don't think that's true, my guy. Yeah, based off of what we see, <laughs> I just... Like, maybe if he had the right shadows and the right zombies maybe but uh i mean kaido's a big dragon that breathes fire so he seems to think that ors is like gonna be like his his big gun mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but kaido literally has 10 orses yeah on his squad now i again don't really think that the numbers are as big as ors everything we've seen of them sure does suggest the contrary um but people keep saying that's true. So I mean, Ors is gigantic. Like I have so big. I have two notes on Ors, and it's that he's big and old. <laughs> Those are the main things. It, he's got horns, mostly. Yeah, and well, and he also has Luffy's uh, fighting skills and mindset now, which <laughs> is you know a whole thing. Indeed, considerable power. But uh, yeah, I don't think even with Ors, they are. Uh, doing much against kaido's squad no he also says that like he plans on using him to like get more stronger shadows which is you know fair so but if you still intend for ors to be your main guy then uh not gonna go so well yeah unless you get some more ors i guess (laughs) ors indeed gonna need quite a few yeah but like well i guess this was something I was going to talk about later, but whatever. Um, at one point, I think in an SBS, uh, Oda makes a point of saying that, like, the zombie numbers are recycled. Like, you know, 1 through 199 is 
one section of zombies and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that he has a maximum number, which is 900, at least, you know, for right now? Like, Indeed. At any given time, basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure at one point it was much lower than 900, and if he trained, it could go above 900, but for now, we are there. Um, so, like, he would, I mean, he if he had 900 of people, like, not maybe not or size or whatever, that's ridiculous, but uh, even a fraction of that with people of Luffy's. Well, I guess, wait, what, what's Luffy's bounty right now? Like 300 some mil? Yeah, it's exactly 300 million. 300 million. Okay. I mean, yeah, if he had whatever, 10, 10 Luffy's, he could, he could do something. I don't know how strong Kaido was before time skip, but probably about the same as after time skip. He's very comfortable. <laughs> I would imagine so. Yeah. I mean, Kaido's squad of like dudes, again, maybe it grew over the time skip. But he's got like 20-some thousand guys. Yeah. Not all of those are beefers. But even like your smuck smile users are considerable in strength. Um, and he's got 10 orzes yeah, on his side it's, still. Like it's really hard to push this battle for a, a Moria win. Like, I just don't yeah. see it. I don't, I don't see it happening. The man is far past the point of delusion if he thinks that this plan is going to get him to top Kaido. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's shown to be cocky like for sure. Uh, pretty much every villain is, but like him especially. Ugh. I mean, maybe maybe there's a chance if like Ors and his 900 Zambies like distract specifically just Kaido long enough for moria to just snip off his shadow because that's like bam boom problem solved as far as we know no one's been able to resist falling unconscious after having their shadow cut so far yeah um but if anybody could i think it would be kaido (laughs) (laughs) probably yeah he's got some code word that would wake him up but imagine spending however many years moria has been at this to just create enough distractions <laughs> for a single man. Yeah, I mean, if he, it, it, like, if he brought Perona, then that would that would help. That would make it a lot easier. I'm sure that. Well, Kaido's... maybe not. It'll depend on the stage of drunkenness that Kaido is in. Oh shit! That's <laughs> if true. he's already in the pressed mode, then no effect. Good point. <laughs> wow, this has layers. There's a lot of factors. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can't believe we're entertaining the idea of Moria versus Kaido. <laughs> well, it's just fun, right? Like, yeah. what mm-hmm. what else are we here for, you know? And we gotta try to connect it to the, the current <laughs> stuff, because why not at this point? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so, anyway, yeah. Uh, Ors is introduced, and, like, some of the crew is there. Luffy, well... I guess Luffy is kind of there. He might have been thrown away by now. Um, but uh, Nami, Usopp, and Chopper 
are there. And I think the most important thing is that they make it away because they're like the weak ones. Like, uh, yeah, like not, not only are they already prone to running away, but, uh, Moria and company are just like, not even incentivized <laughs> to chase after them. They're just like, Oh, it's, it's them. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure some zombie will deal with that. Yeah. Basically. Like it's, it's whatever. And I think that's the, the main takeaway there. Indeed. Moria is notably a lazy man content to let others do his stuff for him. So very much within the character we've seen of him so far. Yeah. And it made sense that he would have goons that would, uh, feel similarly with their, army of 900 slaves effectively it's it's a pyramid scheme <laughs> pretty much i feel Scary bad for the zombie pyramid scheme it's all spooky on thriller bark in more ways than one yeah um i i guess i found this out when i did some googling but i didn't know that like uh moria found perona as a child and just kind of like adopted her basically didn't know that was the backstory there uh yeah i didn't know that either until it came up here um so Nifty. i mean neat i guess but also bad <laughs> not a very good father figure <laughs> i would guess probably so it's also another bit of a parallel between moria and kaido because kaido has a few people under his employee that were found in similar ways. Yeah, I'm trying to think of if there are many crews that have that going for him. Because after a while, like once a crew is running for a while, I would guess that that becomes more and more likely. Indeed. Um, Just like with the uh, with Page One and Ulti, like Kaido knew their dad and they died or something. So Kaido's a pretty old guy, so. I'm sure similar situations have occurred with uh, other lawn-standing crews. Right. I'm sure Whitebeard had a few like that. That's what I was thinking. Or like, you know, uh, who knows how Shanks and Buggy ended up where they were. Um, I bet some uh, of Big Mom's many children probably have children of their own by now. So that's oh, in yeah. a similar vein. Guaranteed, yeah. <laughs> Big Grandma. Uh, big grandma that's good <laughs> yeah. um but anyway speaking of just crews and the crew more specifically um i guess oda really wanted to like drive home how good of a fit brooke is for the crew um so like after the majority of the crew is reunited and they share information between them about oars and the shadows and moria and all that um we get the explanation of frankie's like turn his sudden love for uh <laughs> our favorite skeleton uh-huh and like oda just decides to tie brook in with laboon just a character we last saw 350 chapters ago <laughs> and like beyond that in fiction he first gives that information to two people on the crew that don't even know about the whale. Like, I love this this build-up and then the, just, yeah, the, the tie-in. And then the further tie-in with the 
afro looking like Laboon and Brooke's reluctance to uh, ever let it go. It's all very good. Indeed. That little bit does a lot to solidify Brooke's characterization. His sense of duty is incredible. <laughs> yeah. And he still manages right. to be like the most lighthearted, well... Yeah, I, I don't know about gentlemen. I was gonna say that, but it's it's hard to say that for him. Yeah, it's hard to say that and actually mean it. He looks the part, and uh, acts like it sometimes, but you know, just the right always. amount. Yeah, but Frankie asked this man basically uh, point blank, uh, "You're a skelly man. Your life is basically over already. Even if you get your shadow back, what are you gonna do then? What's left for you in life, basically?" And the one thing that has kept Brooke going for 50 years of non-death, completely alone, on a boat, and, like, he can't even see past, like, his hand in that fog, uh, was this promise he made to a whale all those years ago. As the sole survivor, it's his one thing, it's his duty, he has to return and fulfill the promise, because he's the only one left that he can. Uh, this man has been holding on to this for a long fucking time. Yeah. I especially like this bit where he said, like, it doesn't matter if it's been 50 years and no reasonable person will still be waiting there. Brooke doesn't think he has the right to assume that he's not going to be there anymore. Um, so he still has to make it back and at least check. Yeah, that was a great know. line. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, Brooke a lot. Too bad, like, beyond this arc, he doesn't get to do very much on panel. But, you know, in the here and now. Brooke is really impressing me. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the pain of having so many, like, main characters, you know? You can only have yeah. so much screen time. Upsetting, but this is the reality we live in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but in the fiction, the crew is, they're back on the offensive. They're reinvigorated for their battles ahead. Uh... In the usual fashion, they are split, with some going after Moria, and others going to check on Brooke. Um, but then, in the special twist, Oda almost immediately changes up those groupings in a fun way with Orison. Indeed. They are just running along at a passage, and then all of a sudden, that passage is smooshed along with that entire building. Surprise, Ors is crushing things. Yeah, not sure how Sanji and Usopp survived that one, but I'm very glad they did. Good on them. I especially like the bit right after that, where Frankie builds an incredibly detailed fancy bridge in like a second. Literally one panel. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. In uh, the Shokugeki no Sanji chapter that just came out a couple weeks ago, uh, it like covers a bit where like sanji's like prepping his soba shop in wano right okay uh and sanji asks frankie to build him a soba stand right and he receives the instructions and builds the the shop all within the same panel <laughs> and it was very silly and it reminded me greatly of this specific scene right here yeah i like that a lot you you have to love the efficiency of storytelling and gag putting in like Indeed. that's Oda's experience and just knowing that it is gonna hit and it's gonna be fantastic. 
And then the here and now is a great way to showcase his skills and his utility for the crew in situations like these. Uh, but I do not <laughs> like that the reason he had to do it was because it was too far to jump. Oh, no. <laughs> I was thinking about other ways that they could have gotten over that. And they're, they could do it. At least some of them could get to the other side of the bridge. Yeah, like Sanji, for sure. Zoro, I'm inclined to think, probably could. Frankie has the coup de boo. Yeah. Uh, and he could just do that and carry all of them, and that's problem solved. I feel like Sanji could basically, like, kick all of them over. That's the least comfortable option out of the ones I described, but yeah, he could do that. I mean... Just, like, punt them across. Yeah. I mean, well, I meant more, like launch them with his feet as he has done before but sure why not just punt them yeah pretty much uh oh boy yeah. but you know i guess what frankie did was faster than all of those options and they didn't exactly have the time to debate how they were going to do it so that's true they didn't it's even not need that to bad. think this way yeah just bothers me a little bit well doesn't matter <laughs> yeah one day I'll get over it. So the uh, the new groupings eventually lead to uh, Usopp versus Perona, where, as we kind of mentioned before, like he is the only option available for the fight. Uh, yeah, and Perona's pretty broken. Yeah. Well, I just I just love how early Perona's like freak out face comes out. Um, <laughs> And just the counter of Usopp's weirdly placed confidence. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, he sure is confident in his terrible, terrible character trait, as I believe the, the zombies mention. He's just so proud that he is so negative-minded. Um, but that's probably because it's the one time it's actually been useful. I, yeah, I can, I can understand his excitement to some degree. You want it's to be a weird useful. thing to get hyped about, but, uh, you know, Usopp's got to take the victories where he can get them. Yeah. We don't quite get to the victory right there. Uh, I guess we kind of, we jump around a little bit before that. Um, we see the start of, like, Zoro's fight, kind of. Zoro's fight is weird here. But... Yeah, like the last thing that happens in this chunk is like, they show the end of the fight, and as we know, it's a red herring. It doesn't quite go exactly as it is portrayed. Yeah. Um, and then we cut back to five minutes previous where the fight is actually beginning. Right. Which is an odd thing for Oda to do, but it was neat. It certainly made it more dramatic, thinking that Zora was going to lose. Right, because that just like doesn't happen often. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um. But I also, uh, I like that we get a little bit of insight into Zoro's brain here at the, well, before it even starts, really. Like, he, at least I'm pretty sure, he originally says he just kind of wants to check out the swordsman. Like, yeah, no big deal. That makes sense. Swordsman, Zoro, yeah. Uh, but then he later is just like, yeah, well... I mean, you're a master swordsman samurai. Statistically, you're going to have a good sword. I came here <laughs> for that. 
and like yeah. I that is that is pure Zorro and it's lovely. Yep. Uh classic no nonsense Zorro. He knows what he wants and he knows how to get it. Yep. He's done <laughs> this before, right? <laughs> huh. And by now, like if you were reading like week to week, uh it's probably been enough time that you may have forgotten that Zora only has two swords by now. Especially since so he still carries the hilt around. Indeed. I think he says like it, it's more comfortable that way or whatever. That may not have happened here, but one of the previous times that he lost his swords. Um, so I'm sure that was a nice hype moment for the weekly readers back in the day. Oh, for sure. Uh, New sword hype, as they say. They always say it, yeah. <laughs> um... We also see the start of the Moria and Luffy like confrontation, and mm-hmm. the main points that I had were that like I don't know Moria talks a little bit of smack at Luffy, and it's it's kind of good. It's uh, neat to see why he is the way that he is. Like he explains that he just doesn't want to do things. He can make other people do it, so why would he? And, like, yeah. that kind of led to, probably led to him being in the situation that he's in. Like, I don't know, he he decided to level off and take a government job and just kind of, <laughs> I mean, he was trying to build in secret, but I I mean, what what was his bounty when it was frozen? Like 360 million or something? Oh, I don't remember I think they said it was bigger than Luffy's, but I don't remember exactly. I think I actually have Moria's page up. Bounty, 320 million. So, like... Yeah. Just barely above Luffy's. Right. It wasn't much above... I don't know how long he's been in this position, but, like... If he's been trying to build up and he still gets taken out by Luffy, even though, you know, Luffy, in theory, gets stronger and all that... Like, he didn't buff up all that much, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Moria... It's interesting to me that, like, what Moria says to Luffy here, he's really talking about himself, right? He says... Well, he's also talking about Luffy, but he knows that that is true about Luffy because that is what he did, right? He says, like, oh, when the young overestimate themselves, they set themselves up for a big fall, which is exactly what happened to him when he tried to go up against Kaido mm-hmm. back in his youth. Yep. Um, so I don't know if it's ever directly stated or if this is just my own like interpretation of events, but it seemed to me that back in the day, Moria was like physically stronger himself, right? But then he tried to fight against Kaido with a mostly living crew. They all got boned over in a big way. And it's from then that he decided, okay, I have this zombie ability. It is safer and easier for me to just use that and abuse it to the best of my ability to make, you know, basically a slave army. And that like mentality kind of made him complacent you yeah, know like you sure. said if he doesn't have to do anything why would he mm-hmm. so i think that the moria of today himself has gotten considerably weaker over the years um, and that shows in his body as well yeah i was gonna flashback. say <laughs> if you just look at the body type like in the flashback with kaido he i mean he looks like someone you could almost root for 
Mm-hmm. And now he's an onion. Now he's shaped like an onion. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh. Still scary though. He's got a tricky power. That doppelman. Yeah, I kind well. So we know other people have probably had this power in the past, and I assume that they were trained in the blade somehow. Like I find it so weird that he needs to cut shadows from people um like he's got these giant scissors which is great and if i remember correctly he can like split them up and change them into two swords and that's cool and fine but i i can't imagine uh devil fruit users of generations past had the same luxury also probably not the luxury of being like 18 feet tall and just able to lift people up and <laughs> and take their shadow that way yeah makes you wonder how he like discovered that he can do that yeah you know because like the default power is like his shadow can move and he can like manhandle people's shadows but like then he decides one day you know what i wonder if i can cut this sucker off <laughs> and then he goes to the, his really big kitchen he opens his really big <laughs> Uh, junk drawer <laughs> pulls out his really big scissors and just goes to town on that sucker and thus his slave army is born <laughs> yeah it's just it's a little weird i'll allow a lot of things because i want to but <laughs> i don't know it's a it's a it's a bit of a leap but oh well <laughs> indeed i'm sure with enough nitpicking we could tear apart anybody's ability like this but it's a little more obvious with Morgus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, we 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 just get the start of the Luffy Moria thing. I do like that Luffy jumps into the pit and kicks him in the butt because that's just. <laughs> I mean, it's unexpected for Moria. Obviously, this is something new that he hasn't encountered before. He doesn't know how to handle Luffy brain, and how could he? So, indeed. That sets it up nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get to the Sanji fight, which is... <sighs> I mean, it starts and he and Absalom just kind of share one brain cell for a little bit. And then the fight is pretty much over. Sanji has been riding one hell of an emotional wave. And he puts <laughs> it all into every one of his many kicks. Uh there's not much back and forth which i'm okay with because i don't care for absalom and this is sanji at some of his perviest so like fine i've always had mixed feelings about this particular sanji battle on the one hand like you said it's nice to see sanji just easily beat down this terrible terrible lion man Mm -hmm. um but on the other hand, this is also the start of a very unfortunate trend with Sanji's character. Uh, while it is a relatively tame joke here, uh, this bit with Sanji wanting to peep in the bath is the moment where Sanji's character shifts from well-meaning gentleman who can't be cool in front of women to just a pervert, and it gets worse from there. Um, Again, not so bad in the here and now, but it it's a real downhill slope. And uh, 
distresses me <laughs> to my core. Yeah, always will. Indeed. But kind of seems like Sanji's given up on that dream very recently. So maybe uh, we'll get some real growth with that man sometime soon. <laughs> we can dream. Yeah, I, I sure do. Yeah. Uh, the real winner of this fight, though, is the zombie narrator that we have who calls out <laughs> both of them for being equal levels of bad. I don't agree with that take, but I can understand how that zombie would feel that way. In, in that moment, they're definitely equal levels of bad. <laughs> I suppose so. Uh, okay, we finally get back to Usopp's fight. It's it, it took a while to get back around to this. Like, the other one's a little bit uh, cleaner, but... It's a little weird that we got, like, the start of Usopp's fight, and then we had the entirety of Sanji's fight before we got back to Usopp. Yeah, we also... I mean, there was a lot of stuff in between there, yeah. but, well, the not a thing, lot, fair yeah. amount. This, that, and the other. Yeah, but uh, Usopp is basically in the opposite situation of Sanji. He is really getting his butt handed to him at a certain point uh, when Perona reveals that none of his attacks can hit her. Like... He just really takes a beating to the point that he basically snaps uh, and pulls out Sniper King for the comeback against Kuma, uh, Kumasi? Kumasi? Uh, I pronounce it Kumasi, but... Kumasi? That's the one that makes sense you know. to me. But, like, it really... He, he really does have to reach one heck of a, a threshold before the turn of this fight. Uh, yeah. A funny dad, for sure. The Soji King thing. Um, but I'm also sure that putting on that mask did kind of help him remember the lessons he learned on Eni's Lobby about doing what he can. You know, that conversation he had with Sanji back then. Uh, he, no one else can take on Perona, so it falls to him to do it. Well, I would, and, uh, I would argue even further that it made him think, like, okay, Sogi King is a mask for me. This has to be a mask for her in a way. Like, mm, the way that she became... What did you say? So putting on the mask, like, put the idea in his head that, oh, maybe things are not quite as they seem here. Yeah, well, he, he says that, like, when he's thinking through it, he's like, okay, why did she get so confident all of a sudden? And, like he got mm -hmm. all that confidence out of nowhere and like it just it it makes sense at least to me that that's how he yeah. got there and i really like that yeah i hadn't considered that factor but yeah that's neat yeah big if true right <laughs> um i mean i think this is a pretty great usopp fight overall um he definitely summed it up best at the end when he says you shouldn't have challenged him in negativity and <laughs> lying like for sure Indeed. yes um I think after he hit that lowest point, he really was a step ahead of her the whole time. Yeah, he was dominating as soon as he put on that mask. <laughs> Pretty incredible. Good lord. Usopp the man. Champion Usopp. Yeah. Handsome man Usopp. <laughs> <laughs> he does look cool when he's walking away. I did. I enjoyed uh, a few of the, the panels on that fight. Uh, and then we... 
get the final snippet of Zoro that you already kind of alluded to. And I don't know if I have much else to say there other than, uh, in a way, both of them, both Zoro and Ryuma, are fighting at a disadvantage. Um, Zoro only has two of his three swords, as he pointed out. Uh, but Ryuma has Brook Shadow, who uses more of a stab fighting style, and is wielding just like a, you know, a samurai blade that's yeah. probably made more for slashing. I don't know the ins and outs of, like, fencing versus, you know, like a more slashy sword style, as the Japanese are known for. But, uh, yeah, I can't imagine that's that type of sword is conducive to how Brook fights. And if Ryuma, like, in life was as buff as we are led to believe, it sure does seem like Brook Shadow itself is dragging him down considerably. Yeah. If this Zoro is able to beat him. Yeah. I mean, that's... Embarrassing, Brook. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) Brook even exclaims (laughs) at one point, like, who is this guy when talking about Zoro? So we know he's outclassed immediately. Indeed. It's a shame we have a second fiddle swordsman on the crew these days. But a first fiddle in our hearts. Indeed. Um, Funny bits? Funny bits. The hee-haws and such? I have uh, many. <laughs> this was, there, were, there were so many in this. I don't know if I'll say every one of mine. Alright, start us off with one. Uh, I mean, just as for just for consistency's sake chopper keeps hiding the incorrect way even when peeking out of kumasi <laughs> indeed i'm not sure how we got it wrong that time but you know uh this has been just chopper's headspace forever yeah and i guess it's a habit that will never be broken it's his main personality <laughs> trait as far as i can tell indeed that and having a big hat yes <laughs> Uh, let's see. My first one was Brooke overhearing the story of the zombie. He was purified by eating the salted fish and assuming that the purification was caused by the fish. <laughs> yeah. And in a similar vein to that, Hogback being unbelievably bad at lying about it when pushed. He tried so hard. <laughs> yeah, he sure did fuck that up, though. Embarrassing. Oh. Uh. Uh, the only difference that Luffy saw between Zoro and his zombie was that the zombie <laughs> wore wooden clogs. <laughs> Indeed. That was the only difference he could describe, and it confused Zoro in a big way. And he was so proud. He was like, yeah, it didn't, didn't confuse me even one bit. Like, Indeed. Good... I recognized you immediately. Yeah. Saw right through the wooden clogs. <laughs> good job, Luffy. Quite so. Uh, of course, the classic that was just before that, uh, despite the rule being stated that they would have to be asleep for at least two days, uh, the three beefy boys willed themselves awake by the promises of their favorite things, uh, women, meat, and swords. Done so efficiently. A beautiful female swordmaster carrying lots of meat. <laughs> yeah, they really combined it all into one. They could have just, you know, said those things separately, and it would have been fine. Yeah, <laughs> but uh... you know Usopp. He's got to add a flair to it. Indeed. Um, Dr. Hogback has a special tummy dance he does and is very confident in. Indeed. He does it at weddings, and uh, he was more than willing to do it at Absalom's. Uh, had A, that wedding not have been a sham, and B, if they didn't have 
much bigger fish to fry at the time. Maybe next time. Yeah, we'll see him again one day, I'm sure. Uh, Maybe he was at that uh, that wedding that Shanks was at during one of the cover arcs. Mm, sure, why not? <laughs> Confirmed. Uh, All but guaranteed. <laughs> I appreciated that uh, Ors referred to Moria as a small onion man when he was like eating after having Luffy's shadow. And then later, Luffy refers to Moria as that giant onion guy. Yeah. That's good. They really do think exactly the same. Yeah. Good boys. Uh, and then I got one more. And I, as much as I don't like Absalom in this fight too much, uh, the whoa, an angel bit is still good. <laughs> Indeed. Him and Santi go back and forth for a good while, and they bro out over it for a second. And uh, it's the only endearing moment that either of them have during this chunk. Yep. Sad but true. <laughs> Indeed. Who boy, taking those L's, as the kids say these days. Sanji fans. Mm-mm-mm. Can you imagine being a Sanji fan in this day and age? Oh, it sounds so painful. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but that sounds like the last gag you had, and we covered the rest of mine as we went... Uh, so that pretty much wraps us up for this week. Like I said before, there is another break next week. Next chapter doesn't release until January 29th. Feel free to send in your thoughts on this chapter or the read-read or whatever via email to inheritedwillpodcasts at gmail.com, on Twitter to at inherited underscore will, or in a comment on the platform of your choosing. As always, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Yeah,